Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Well, hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. Certainly appreciate being a part of your day to discuss well, what is happening in the world of agriculture. And there's certainly a lot going on. Very excited for today's show. We're going to be speaking with Naomi Bloom of Total Farm Marketing about the markets here in just a moment. And in segment two, Arthur Erickson, CEO of Hylio Drones, will be joining us. Department of Defense has changed the rules here with DJI, and Arthur will bring us up to speed on the changes in that industry. And in segment three, Jake Jorenstad, the CEO of Bushel, will join us. We're going to talk about digital payments making their way into the ag industry. And finally, we're going to wrap today talking with Caleb Hamer of B&H Farms in Rhinebeck, Iowa. They've been in the field the past couple of weeks. We're going to get an update on that northeast Iowa part of harvest. Before we jump into all of that, however, let's talk markets here with Naomi Bloom. Naomi, it's so good to see you. These markets are moving. What's on your mind today? Well, right now we're just keeping an eye on, I think, more of the global scene and global marketplace news. So top of mind right now, we've got Brazil elections this coming up weekend. Um, that may or may not have an effect on agricultural markets. I'm honestly not sure what the candidates' views are agriculturally, but it's something to be aware of. Next week, we've got the Fed commentary. Are they going to be raising interest rates or not? So that's something to be watching. And then we've got a USDA report the week after that, followed by, um, you know, is the railroad strike going to happen and the grain export corridor? So we've got a wild, you know, three weeks coming with markets, um, and there's going to be lots of headlines to keep everybody uh, moving and shaking. That is the that is certainly the truth. Naomi, you mentioned the Federal Reserve, the interest rate issue we've been discussing for the past six months. We did get some GDP data earlier today. It sounds like it was fairly positive. Does that change the calculus, do you think, uh, for the Fed's decision? Well, it's something that they'll definitely take into play. And for the past few days, the marketplace has been thinking that maybe the Fed won't do that full three-quarter rate hike. And if it comes in at maybe just a half point higher, um, that would make the market have a little bit of a reduction for the value of the dollar. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we've actually already seen the value of the dollar um, trend a little bit lower over the past week. Now, if they come in and do a full three-quarter point hike, or if they did something larger than that, then you'll see the dollar go up again. So that's the importance of watching that interest rate hike for next week. Absolutely. And every time that value of the U.S. dollar goes up, our products get a little more expensive to buy for those foreign consumers. <laughs> Absolutely. So if we can get the dollar to come down a little bit more, maybe we'll see a bump in our corn exports. We could probably see more sorghum move and wheat and everything like that. Because, you know, the bottom line is still that we have low uh, commodity supplies yet here in the United States and still around the world. Supplies are tight. They certainly are. Naomi, we have been seeing stronger than I expected export sales on soybeans over the past couple of weeks. I understand a lot of them have been going to China. Seems a little surprising since they did buy so many out of Argentina. But what's happening in the Chinese market? Well, the, China just needs the beans. And that's that's the bottom line. So the fact that they went to Argentina to me said, you know, maybe they need it more than people think that they need it. And uh, so that was the first cue of demand. And then they came to the United States and bought a lot over the past uh, two to three weeks. We've, saw, we've seen strong sales. We are seeing um, our export inspections. We are actually still moving product out of the country, even though the river's low. We're using all of the ports that we have and ways to export grain, and we're moving it. But still, soybean prices in China, $21. Wow. And so that's that's the bottom line. They need beans. They need beans. They have a hog herd that has been rebuilt. Um, they are starting to potentially, you know, slowly loosen some of the COVID lockdowns. They've got to get ready for some of their bigger holidays that are coming up. And I would think there's going to be a lot of pent up demand from the people of China just wanting to celebrate and move around and, you know, celebrating, I think, with every culture does include food. Yeah. So they're ready to go. They're ready Absolutely. to go. Naomi, you mentioned we've seen China stepping in to buy beans, but with the hog herd rebuilding, could they be stepping in to buy meal as well, or do they prefer to do that in China? Well, usually they do that in China. Um, but what I'm wondering is if, um, if I'd, I'm not sure how the export would move. Is it easier to move meal in containers versus soybean in containers? Do we see that as a way to move product via the railroad? Or, I don't know, but... 
I think that there's demand for soybeans for sure. And with Argentina now um, having less product because they just sent so much of soybeans out there. Normally, Argentina is our biggest global com- global exporter of soybean meal and soybean oil. So they are not actually processing as much beans right now um, because their their farmers are saying, we want another deal. So they're not selling any beans because now they know what the, the nugget is to get them to move product. Uh, so we'll see. I think we had a decent export sale number this morning for soybean meal. And the demand should be there, especially when you think about how in our country we're seeing our crush market improve and more crush plants come online. So the soybeans still is a friendly story in the short term and the long term. All right. Well, friendly stories. Naomi, the dairy market has had a surprisingly friendly story all year. Dairy prices or butter prices have been near records. Is that holding out? Are we still seeing butter stay at those elevated levels? So recently it just had a pullback, um, about 11 cent pullback for butter and the cheese block barrel price dropped about 13 14 cents but now it's back under two dollars and this is usually where we see end users show up um so with with the dairy market right now the past three milk production reports have shown an increase in milk production and so that's what's been weighing on the market and without any um bigger export news just right here in the short term that's also weighed on the market but now that prices are low enough again i think you see our domestic buyers come into play and we get ready for the holidays. Um, so milk is not a story that's bearish by any means, but we need the demand to show up again so we can get prices back above $20 for the 2023 contracts. You know, as we're thinking about bringing that demand back, Naomi, there have been a number of headlines over the past year about Europeans curtailing their dairy industry. New Zealand recently announced a new tax on their dairy production. Does this lend itself to more U.S. exports maybe in 23 or 24? You know, that's a great point. It absolutely might. Of course, as we talked earlier, the value of the dollar is something to be watching as well. Um, the global dairy export market really is quite dynamic with, um, like you said, what's happening in Europe and what's happening with New Zealand. And with Europe having the drought, they're probably low on feed as well. So maybe we do see the United States um, export market pick up. We will watch that. I'm glad you brought that to my attention. All right. Well, Naomi, well, you, you brought up Europe right there, and they have suffered a tremendous drought this past year. We've seen it impact their wheat production. We've seen wheat production around the world be impacted by a lot of different factors. What are you watching in the wheat market here short term? Uh, short term, it's that corridor, that grain corridor with Russia, right. Ukraine. Um, it also continues to be um, Putin's just, I don't know if it's desperate or what kind of you'd want to call it for his his war tactics. Um, we're keeping an eye on that uh, Ukraine nuclear plant, all of those types of things. And with wheat, the de- demand is there. And I, w- I don't understand why, you know, with this pullback we've had with prices, our export market should be picking up more. Um, we still have tight ending stocks of wheat here in this country. The world still has tight ending stocks of wheat. So I would think that we should see this pullback increase some demand here soon and i'm still friendly to wheat for the long haul all right lots of optimism there naomi bloom we love to hear it if we've got listeners who want to pick your brain some more how can they keep in touch with you yeah go ahead and give me a call at 800-334-9779 or you can email me my address is naomi at totalfarmmarketing.com Fantastic. That's Naomi Bloom there of Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, always appreciate picking your brain on these market issues. And folks, stick around. We're going to talk drones in the American drone industry when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. 
Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to the monthly grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on the monthly grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, welcome back to AOA. Thanks for joining us today. On farms across the country, over the past 10 years, we have seen UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles or drones, really take the industry by storm. We found 101 different ways to utilize these tools across our operations, be it spraying or scouting or just taking really pretty Christmas card pictures to send out to the family using that drone 100 feet up in the air. Uh, drones have become really truly a part of the fabric in a lot of modern agricultural operations, and it's an industry that continues to change. We're going to talk about the state of that industry here in this country with Arthur Erickson next. He is the CEO of Hylio Drones. They are an American drone manufacturing company that makes spray drones, and he joins us today. Arthur, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate you taking the time to have me. You know, before we get into what is shaking up the drone industry right now, let's talk a little bit about Hylio. Tell us, how long have you guys been in business? Helio has been around since 2015. Uh, we weren't actually on the market in any considerable, considerable way until 2017. So the first two years were, were R&D and prototyping. And what sort of R&D were you guys working on in those two years? What sort of products did you end up developing here for the uh, American farmer? Well, way back in 2015, I was still in college, so this is one of those college dorm room companies. I started it with a few of my fellow students at UT Austin, so the first two years were a lot of software development to uh, build up the control schema and the interface for people to use these drones. By 2017, we actually began deploying our in-house prototype spray drones to provide spray services to farmers. So we were making money spraying per acre per application, but we weren't selling the drones yet. So from about 2017 to 2020, uh, three-year period, give or take, we were uh, learning from, from lessons in the field, hard lessons where we were crashing drones and having software errors and stuff like that, uh, working out in the 100-degree weather, 10, 12-hour days, five, six days a week. 
So after those three years of, of actually being out there uh, being custom applicators, we learned what worked and what didn't, simply put. And then by 2020, we actually started selling the drones after all that uh, R&D and, and testing in the field. That and is very cool. And the yeah. drones that Helio ended up bringing to the market, are, are they spray-specific drones, Arthur? Yeah, right now they are spray-specific. Well, I should add they can also do granular uh, materials, so like seeds and, and granular insecticides and pesticides uh, with a, a simple hardware switch. Okay, so you've got these tools. You've got these tools. They've been developed over the course of several years. They're out there in the countryside in an industry that is continuing to be shaken up. And in fact, earlier this month, we saw another drone manufacturer come under, I guess, sanctions might be the right word from the Department of Defense. Arthur, talk a little bit about how your industry has shifted here in the past month or what's changed. Sure. So DJI, many people already know the name, of course. They are a very large drone company based out of China. And they provide, I think, by, by the last count in 2020 or 2021 or so, uh, I think they say they have at least 80% of the world's drone market share. So they are extremely prolific. Um, same goes for the U.S. here. Probably 80%, if not more, of the drones used in the U.S. are made by this company, DJI. And what the government has said, and again, I'm not a military strategist or a politician or, or an analyst or anything like that, so this is my take on it, but... They have basically declared that DJI, uh, along with other companies like Huawei, are part of a larger military-tied strategy uh, by China to, to extend their influence in other parts of the world, right? to, to put it simply. So, uh, again, without knowing too much about what the military is thinking or the Pentagon is thinking, they seem to have some sort of fear that DJI drones, uh, particularly with particularly the data they're gathering probably, is in some way being used to possibly harm uh, U.S.'s uh, national security, right? And that's relative to, to China um, gaining strength by using these products to essentially, quote-unquote, spy on us. Uh, that's, Absolutely. That's my read of it, uh, obviously people have different perspectives on what's happening. I don't know at the end of the day. Only people depending on know what's really going on, right? Uh, but, yeah, that's... That, the industry is shifting a lot. Uh, well, technologically, batteries are getting better. The drones are getting smarter. And that's, you know, with Helio, but all the other companies as well are advancing a lot. So the drones are getting a lot more capable. But at the same time, you've got these regulatory and geopolitical concerns that are forming and shaping the way this, this market can actually uh, go. So Arthur, the way this looking, market has developed here, China, as you mentioned, DJI, huge player, 80% of the global market at last count. It, a lot of that is because they did have access to those raw materials early on in that battery making. Now that it's being democratized a little bit more, are American drone manufacturers, is Helio going to be able to pick up the slack if uh, if folks back away from DJI purchases? Yeah, absolutely. There's really nothing holding us back as a country from manufacturing these drones. They're they're frankly fairly easy to manufacture. They, they don't. This isn't like a nuclear reactor or something where you need all these uh, various extremely rare materials. Um, it's just carbon fiber, aluminum, metal, uh, in general, know-how, expertise, passion. So we have all those in spades here in the United States. So there's, there's nothing holding us back. Uh, we just need to reach a, a point of scale production where we can actually compete with the very, very low pricing of these Chinese products. So I think we've gotten pretty close. Uh, our, our drones are slightly more expensive upfront than DJI's drones, for example. But uh, I like to think that we deliver a lot more ROI in the long term. So there's a bit of a yin and yang there. Um, cheaper hardware from, from overseas. That's kind of just a, a rule of thumb. Uh, but you get what you pay for, right? <laughs> That's so true. And I'm curious, Arthur, you mentioned one of the concerns from the Pentagon's perspective, potentially with DJI, of course, is data. And what happens to this data after the drone is up there? It's captured it. It's storing it on a hard drive. And of course, it, we can't speak to what's happening at DJI. But from Helio's perspective, what happens to the data that your drones collect or they utilize here when they're running around in the fields? So all that data goes back to our servers, Helio servers that are based in the U.S., so we have all the data. We don't sell to any third parties. That's between us and you, the customer. So we share your data with you, and you share it with us. And the only reason we have your data is because we're trying to deliver services to you, data services that make your life easier and better. 
So that's not going to go to any third parties. All right, that's crucial. Keeping that data secure, making the allowing the farmer to know that that important stuff that helps differentiate their operation from the next guys is kept secret. I'm curious, you've mentioned the iteration you've done on the Helio drones here over the past seven years. What's the big dog look like today? What's the, the flagship product that Helio's got here heading into 2023? So we've got our biggest drone right now is a, is a eight gallon capacity sprayer drone. We call it the AG-130. So that's been on the market for about a year and a half now. A lot of people have sprayed thousands of acres with them. So it's, it's a great product, but we do have even bigger drones coming out. Going into 2023, we will have a 20-gallon model. So wow, that's a very large drone, and I'm just going to go on record here saying that I wouldn't recommend it for everybody. You, you should have a, a lot of acreage to cover to justify buying a 20-gallon spray drone. The 8-gallon, 10-gallon range spray drones are still great for, for a lot of work, especially work that's uh, maybe run-and-gun style, right-of-way spraying, vegetation management, smaller ag plots. Uh, the 20-gallon the drone is designed to basically take on an airplane or, or a helicopter almost one-to-one. -one. You, you deploy two or three of these 20-gallon drones, and you could probably do what a, a, a helicopter could do in a given day. Wow, but a little, with a lot less fossil fuel expense. Yeah, that's right. That is very cool. And, you know, while we're talking about supply chains and manufacturing, give us the update. Where does Helio manufacture your drones? Where is, uh, where is technology sourced from? We manufacture our drones uh, just south of Houston, a town called Richmond, Texas. And that's, that's where all the magic happens. We have a roughly 20,000 square foot facility down there. and We are growing every day, so that's what's going on. That is what's developing. This industry is going to continue to change. But Arthur, it sounds like Helio's prepared for these shifts and you're ready for perhaps some more demand to come your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Demand is already through the roof. We're just trying to scale production to meet it. All right. Well, if we've got listeners who are curious about American-made spray drones, Arthur, where can they go to find out some more information about Helio here? They can go to our website, helio.com. So that's H-Y-L-I-O.com. Fantastic, folks. We have been talking today with Arthur Erickson, CEO of Helio. Arthur, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today, and we wish you the best as 2023 comes around and those drones get back out in the field. Thank you. I appreciate your time. All right, folks, and do be sure to stay with us. We are going to have some more AOA coming up next. We're going to be talking again, technology, digital payments in the ag space and how they are changing. Jake George, dad of Bushel, will be joining us when AOA returns. Stick around. We'll have more ag coverage coming up right after this. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to the monthly grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on the monthly grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, take a look at weekly export sales numbers. Not bad on the grain side. We saw export sales in the week ending October 20th. Corn, 10.4 million bushels. 
grain sorghum, 0.04 million bushels. Soybeans, 37.7 million bushels with wheat at 19.6 million bushels. The wheat export sales included 7.1 million bushels of hard red spring and 7.7 million bushels of white wheat. China was the featured buyer of U.S. corn and soybeans in the week ending October 20th with a net of 41 million bushels of soybeans, although 24.4 million of that total was a switch from previous sales to unknown. On the corn side, net of 6.2 million bushels sold to China, 2.6 million of which was a switch from previous purchases from unknown destinations. On the beef and pork side, beef net sales, 14,100 metric tons, primarily for South Korea, Japan, and China. Pork net sales, 20,300 metric tons, primarily for Mexico, China, and South Korea. Both those numbers pretty much in line with last week, especially on the beef side, but still feels like we're lagging in beef and pork sales a little bit. Now, overall, in the market trade, we see that the grain markets still remain well-supported with wheat and soybeans. The leader court is just firm around the unchanged mark with mixed action in cattle and hogs. Cattle moving a little bit higher, hogs moving a little bit lower. Crude oil supported up about $1.50 a barrel, $89.34, with the dollar and the VIX breaking again. The broader commodity sector experiencing modest selling when the European Central Bank's monetary policy was announced this morning. The energies and grains, though, again, are remaining in the green with the dollar backing off. We see as well Black Sea risks are slowly elevating as we approach the end of the current trade agreement that allows Ukraine to export through three ports and dry weather continues to pull forward in Brazil's forecast. This is AOA. I'm Jesse Allen. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad? Your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, folks, to AOA. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. Over the past two years, we have seen agriculture pulled into conversations that we're typically not a part of. We've had conversations come up in Washington, D.C. about policy that, that typically doesn't feature agriculture. And we've seen agricultural markets pulled into some new venues and attracting some new attention from different level investors. Well, earlier this week, we had another example of that same phenomenon happening. In Las Vegas, Nevada, there was the Money 2020 conference earlier this week, and one of the presenters was Jake Jorenstadt. He's the CEO of Bushel. They're working to digitize the ag industry, and he presented on the state of ag's digitization there at Money 2020, and he joins us today with an update on that same topic. Jake, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Before we get to the Money 2020 conference, tell me a little bit about Bushel. What is it that you guys do, and how does it interact with digital payments? Yeah, so at Bushel, we are here to help grain companies, co-ops, ethanol plants and mills do business with their farmers and the others that they do business with in the supply chain easier and on a digital tool set. So imagine being able to see your scale tickets and contracts as a farmer, submit grain offers, and eventually with our newest offering, be able to get paid electronically rather than on a paper check. Now, that certainly sounds fascinating, and it certainly sounds like it's in the wheelhouse or the interest level for a lot of farmers across the country. But what made that be a, a story of interest for the Money 2020 conference, Jake? Yeah, well, I think for starters, um, in agriculture, we know a little bit that we're behind in some of the core areas of digital adoption. If you think about um, even healthcare, banking, of course, um, there's a lot of paperwork still in those areas, but agriculture is dead last in a lot of respects. But in our opinion, it's not really the farm 
that has those challenges. The farmer has been adopting these tools and technologies for a long time, but the supply chain needs to really level up some of the tools available to their farms and others that they work with. So that's where we're coming from. And, you know, today we have over 60,000 farms logged into bushel tools from our customers all over the country and into Canada. And Money 2020 is all about digitizing money movement, um, investors and, and other companies who are doing the work there, big banks, were all down in Vegas with us. And um, I got to present on one of the main stages about agriculture. And I'm pretty sure I was the only one sharing the uh, great message about where agriculture is going. Yeah, I'm going to bet that you probably were the only ag person there at the Money 2020 conference. And in your presentation, Jake, I've had a chance to take a look at it. You note that our industry sends out nearly half a trillion dollars each year by check. Can you tell us a little bit, what are the supply chain constraints that keep us doing business with paper checks in agriculture? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, think about that. $500 billion paying to farmers on a paper check in the mail. First off, just the waste of fuel alone is ridiculous, let alone how much time it takes for the farmer to have to get that paper check. A lot of times you got to run to town. You know, last I checked, farms aren't in town, so they've got to run to town and drop the bank, you know, drop it at the bank, get another signature. There's just a ton of challenges. And the main reason is, frankly, co-ops and grain companies around the country haven't been provided a great alternative. Um, it's too expensive to use PayPal and credit cards to, you know, things like that, that have three plus percent fees. That just doesn't work in our industry. It's a lower margin business. And so we've had to come up with a better model where we can move, in our case, up to a million dollars of payments at a time for less than $10. So that's kind of our goal. So from an infrastructure perspective, most of the elevators, the end users that you're working with, partnering with Bushel, they have the technical infrastructure, the internet speed, the bandwidth to do this digitally. They just haven't had the tools. Is that your understanding of the state of play right now? Yeah, I'd say generally that's a fair read. I think the main challenge has been that most of what you'd consider the Silicon Valley-like investment mindset and capital has just not been funneled into digital agriculture for a very long, you know, ever, obviously. But in the last... 10 years, there's been some investment, mostly, mostly it's been on tools that are sold to the farmer, um, but the supply chain has been you know, minimally invested in, and now we're starting to see a real change there, and I think it's positive. So you mentioned one of the challenges that these end users have faced is that the fee structure for a lot of these digital programs just doesn't work in ag. Two, three percent off the top in a low margin business, that, that doesn't cut it. Jake, how can we change it? How can you flip this model on its head? Well, the technology is, you know, doable. We, we, we had to partner with a bank, uh, some of the technology players that are out there, and we've, we've been able to do it for less than $10 a transaction. Uh, we make it easy for the farmer to see what's coming to them uh, in their bushel wallet so they can see where they're getting paid and by whom. And then they can funnel that money from there into any one of their, you know, let's say they've got, you know, three or five, maybe six different banks that they have money in, they can move it from there into any one of those pretty easily. And then vice versa, making it easy to pay an agronomy invoice or something of the sort. Um, that's what we're being able to solve for. And it's all in a much lower fee model. And uh, I think our customers appreciate it. We've got our first five companies going on 10 using the offering. And uh, it's really early, but we're pretty excited about it. I think it's going to change the way we think about getting paid in agriculture. So what's the rollout look like? Jake, you mentioned Bushel's been working on this for some time. You've been building these pieces. Now it's starting to grow. Who should be reaching out to you with connections or questions about this type of connection? Well, it took us two years of pretty heavy development to get here where we felt comfortable to launch the offering that it's working well enough that we, you know, we're not, we know we're going to send the money where it's supposed to go and, and it's going to be accessible for those who need it. Um, you know, we're looking at a few things. One is our, anybody in the bushel network of our customer set um, can turn the feature on pretty quickly with us. So that's that's one thing. It's an easy win there to be able to pay their farmers and then allow their farmers to pay their bills. But the other opportunity is any big egg retailer or player who sells services or products into the farm, being able to offer a kind of a pay with bushel button. Uh, on their electronic invoices is going to be where the next big opportunity is. So if you're kind of getting sick of sending invoices in the mail and waiting for paper checks to show up and process at your facility or at your company, uh, this is one way to leap forward um, and at a much lower cost than what you've seen, you know, on a PayPal button or something like that. You know, when we think about all of these digital tools being linked together, Jake, I, I and perhaps I'm a bit of a Luddite, I get worried about leaks, about data maybe moving where it shouldn't mm -hmm. be with a paper check. I know as long as that envelope is sealed when it shows up in my mail, nobody yeah. else has seen that figure. What sort of security do you have in hand there at Bushel? I think your paper checks are a lot less secure than you think they are. 
but uh, it's it, it's really the security level of what in order to even offer a tool like this in the industry today, the amount of uh, compliance work you have to get through and audit work you have to do with the bank partner you choose. Um, it's pretty, pretty darn secure. And in our world, um, that matters a lot. We have plenty of data around the agriculture space and we've done a really good job of making sure that that's protected. Well, that's one of our number one points of investment is in security. Um, and we work with the real FDIC insured bank. So it's not, it's not, um, bushels bank per se. And these guys have been doing this for a long time. And uh, it's really important that you have the right partners, of course. But I think it's probably more secure than most methods you've seen, um, especially in agriculture today. So, all right, glad to hear it. And of course, those uh, those paper checks. You're right about the security. They're they're in nobody's hands for a couple of days while they're traversing the system. And who knows what could happen in that timeline? Jake, I'm curious. You mentioned you were the only one truly presenting on agriculture fair at the Money 2020. I imagine that was a convention full of a lot of folks in suits, a lot of folks from New York and London, people that maybe aren't connected with agriculture. After your presentation, what was the conversation like? Do you feel as though some of these people had their eyes opened to some of the opportunities in this industry? Yeah, it's good. It's a good question. So I think I don't think anybody really understood the level of you know money that we're both generating and spending in the agriculture space in the United States. Um, of, of course, even globally, it's even larger. But um, the the amount of people taking photos of the presentation I was I was giving. And uh, the swarm of people after would tell you that there was certainly some new insights for people that they had not really heard uh, from this side of the world before. So I think hopefully I educated a bit more about why agriculture is exciting, why it's worthy of a lot of investment and uh, and why there's a ton of work to be done. I've got to ask you, Jake, you're in the technology business. We've seen concerns with supply chains, with chips and with with physical uh, equipment required to run uh, technologically focused businesses. Is Bushel sitting okay, or do you are you able to get the pieces you need to run everything to the folks who are part of the network? Well, we're lucky, you know. You know, we're not a manufacturer of hardware, so we're lucky that we don't have some of those same challenges. Um, for us, we're a software business, um, so we rely on the likes of Google and other cloud providers, and we've been able to maintain and, and grow our opportunities without having to worry too much about that. So we've been lucky on that. But of course, our customers, uh, some of our friends in agriculture, have different challenges. And so um, they're the ones that probably need the most help. Absolutely. There, there are folks struggling out there. Having the financial information close at hand might help reduce a little bit of that stress. Jake, if we've got listeners who are curious about Bushel or they, they want to learn a little bit more about the tools you're developing, where can they go for that information? Yeah, you can find us online. Uh, just, just search Bushel, but bushelpowered.com, powered, P-O-W-E-R-E-D.com. That's our kind of slogan, powered by Bushel. Um, and we're always a white label offering with our customers, uh, your local grain elevator, co-ops, et cetera. So. And a white label offering means it's got their branding on it, uh, not Bushel. Is that right? That's right. And they can leverage our tools and capability, but make it accessible for their customers. And that's what we're all about. Very cool, folks. We've been talking to Jake Jorenstad. He is the president or the CEO, rather, of Bushel, just presented at the Money 2020 conference. Jake, thank you so much for joining us on AOA today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate the work you guys do. And folks, stick around. We're going to be talking about harvest across Iowa with Caleb Hamer of BNH Farms here when AOA returns. But before we get into the break, we did have data come out this morning on gross domestic product. We saw some improvement there. GDP for the United States increased 0.6 tenths of a percent after two quarters of a decline. So this is enough to kick what would have been a recession out. We're now recovered from it. Economic growth came in stronger than a lot of economists had anticipated, and it was two. 2.6% annual growth rate. When you analyze that point, uh, annualize that 0.6 tenths percent growth, it's a 2.6% annual rate of growth for the U.S. economy. That's positive news, and it comes back to what Naomi was saying in segment one might change the Fed's equation when they look to raise prime interest rates. Folks, stick around. When we return, we'll be talking harvest with Caleb Hamer of BH Farms here on AOA. Stick around. There'll be more coming right up after this. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike. 
block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to The Monthly Grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on The Monthly Grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. In this final week of National Co-op Month, Jay Deberton, president and CEO of CHS, shares how cooperatives are adapting to meet global needs. Jay, cooperatives, including CHS, have been serving farmers and ranchers for nearly a century. What makes the cooperative model such an enduring approach for agriculture? We at CHS and the people that own us adapt. We adapt to a world that changes, that adapt to a world that does business differently today than it did a decade ago, and will do business different a decade from now than it does today. And the company or the industry that fails to adapt to those conditions and tries too hard to hold on to old practices, I think that's where you can get into dangerous times, but we don't, we do not. We adapt to the world as it is and as changing consumer preferences change around the world. Beyond providing inputs and market access, what makes cooperatives valuable to rural America? Our commitment to agriculture and our commitment to rural America, and that can sound easy, but we are not in and out of rural America. We are not in and out of our businesses, depending on you know the mood of a management team or a mood of a board of directors, uh, or frankly, even in when conditions are difficult. We are committed to agriculture. We are committed to the markets that we operate in, and we're committed to the people that own us and our customers around the world. And we take responsibility for those that count on us. You know, seriously, our crop inputs that go to plant the crop in the spring of the year, we take very seriously that we have to have it for the people that count on us where they are. And that is, you know, that is a different approach as opposed to maybe a more opportunistic plier that kind of shifts for other reasons. And then I would point to our return for profit to rural America. When CHS does well, you know what? The people that benefit from that a financial viewpoint are the people that own us. Thank you, Jay, for joining us here around the table. My honor to be with you, Mike. Thank you. And thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com.
Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You know, a quick check of the radar on my phone revealed clear skies across much of the Midwest, which means I would imagine that harvest is going to be making some progress across many places in the Corn Belt here today. Joining us for an update on their operations progress is Caleb Hamer, one of the principal operators at B&H Farms up in Rhinebeck, Iowa. And Caleb, did we catch you in a combine or a grain cart this morning? Uh, you caught us in the in-between field shuffle, so this works pretty good. So we're getting some end rows off and getting a place to pull the trucks in. All right. Well, how has harvest gone so far up there? And, and tell our listeners, where is Rhinebeck? Um, I was typically divided into nine quadrants, and I would say we are in the southwest corner of the northeast Part the of southwest corner that? of the northeast quadrant. All right. Yeah, that That's makes right. it a lot more clear. Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> what, what does harvest look like up in that neck of the woods? Um, moving, moving along very well. We've had pretty tremendous weather. Um, some guys in the neighborhood are getting finished up. Uh, we are not there yet. We have probably a week left. Um, beans have been done for all intensive purposes for everybody. Um, I would say in general, this part of the state's probably 75% done, maybe 80% done. And Caleb, have you had any conversations with neighbors about bean yields? Do they come in more or less where you were expecting? Um, I think guys are pleased with bean yields. I do not think they achieved what most of us saw last year for bean yields. Last year we had a couple very timely August rains and we caught some this year but not in the amounts that we had in 2021. Gotcha. Just didn't have the moisture to, to take it through to those knockout yields from last year. But uh, APH yep. were what? On it? 10% below would you say? I would say we were slightly above but um, I would, most guys are probably slightly above, but there was quite a bit of variability from even um, within the same townships. Just if you caught one of those stray August storms or not is basically what I think that amounts to. That makes sense. Those little popcorn thunderstorms can certainly make a big difference. And Caleb, I'm curious. I know B&H Farms has been experimenting with cover crops over the past couple of years. How did those acres perform this year? And are you going to be doing it again next year? Uh, we consistently have been putting seed uh, cover crops behind our seed corn production acres. Those all got seeded down again this year. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't sat at a desk long enough to tell you if there's a plus or minus to those on this year's bean yields, but uh, it's obviously not enough that, I, that we stopped making those decisions to continue that practice. Um, actually, we're going to seed some rye down here this week with the intent of harvesting it for our own seed purposes next year so that'll be something we're going to add for next year or at least try all right always finding some new opportunities for work there on the farm caleb i'm i'm wondering about markets up in your neck of the wood you've got some livestock producers in your neighborhood you've got some ethanol facilities what's basis been doing recently and how have markets been acting here this harvest uh i would say market basis local basis is um, if not historically strong, I would say very strong for this time of year. Uh, a lot of corn in this neighborhood flows to the southeast of us to Cedar Rapids. I'm not sure the way the current basis structure looks that we will send any corn to the east this year. I think um, the demand from the west, from Nebraska creeping into Iowa, trickles all the way across. And I think we're going to send a lot of corn to Iowa Falls and maybe even Fort Dodge. All right, seeing some changes come structurally to the industry with that big breakdown in the corn crop out west. Caleb, you feel like B&H is going to be able to capitalize on some of that? You've got the trucks fueled up, ready to run uh, run westward to Iowa Falls? Yep, uh, we got that path beat down pretty good. We know the route. Uh, also, I would say this year we have um, uh, the new Shell Rock ethanol plant will be coming online here this winter. So we have some stuff slotted to deliver in January to get them some soybeans too. So that'll be nice new market for us. 
All right. It's great to see additional competition coming on the scene for those local bushels. Caleb, hope you folks at BNH Farms can capitalize on it. Thanks for joining us today. And we wish you safe travels as you get to that next field. And hopefully it looks good as you get it opened up there for corn. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much, Caleb. Before we go for the day, I did just want to make a note. We talked about fueling up those trucks, and fuel is going to be garnering some more headlines here in the near future. It was announced earlier this morning that House Republicans are going to be launching in an investigation into what they say could be the, quote, potential misuse by the Biden administration of that strategic petroleum reserve. Of course, this comes on the heels of President Biden's announcement uh, well, earlier this year that they were going to unload 180 million barrels in releases from the SPR. And of course, the most recent sale of SPR gallons happened here just about two weeks ago, and it came right as gas prices were climbing. And Republicans are concerned that uh, they may be using this to influence the political process. In fact, the uh, James Comer, who's the committee's top Republican, uh, wrote this in the letter to the administration. They say, quote, we are concerned that the president may soon impose an oil and gas export ban that will result in even higher gas prices, supply chain issues, global market upheaval, and reduced energy security for the U.S. and our allies. And they say, quote, the SPR is a critical tool designed to address global supply disruptions. And as Putin's war continues to create upheaval in the energy markets, the Biden administration, like administrations of both parties, have done in the past, they've used the SPR as intended to address supply disruptions. So we will be seeing this continue to play out, whether or not this investigation will gain any steam, of course, remains to be seen. But we'll be watching because anything that's moving fuel prices in this day and age certainly matters to our bottom lines as diesel prices continue to climb here across so much in the Midwest. This time of year, of course, we are also getting earnings from companies and ag companies are posting their earnings as well. One of the shockers came from Pilgrim's Pride. They announced, uh, announced their earnings on Wednesday, and they did have a much higher third quarter profit. They beat Wall Street expectations, and that was because they saw a 17% rise in net sales in the third quarter 2022. Earnings per share was $1.09. Huge gains there for Pilgrim's Pride as consumers get out there and continue buying food. Folks, on tomorrow's AOA, Mike Adams will be behind the microphone. He's going to have a conversation with Jeff Cooper about what's coming in the world of ethanol with the midterms in focus. Thanks for listening, folks, and we look forward to you joining the show tomorrow with Mike Adams. Have a great day, everybody. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com.